0: Awaken podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching.
1: Good morning, friends, and welcome to Awaken. My name is Micah. I'm one of the pastors here and I want to extend a warm welcome to you. Um, If you are new to our community or relatively new, we'd love to know that you're with us, and um, there is a welcome card on the internet. If you could fill that out and let us know you were here, somebody from our community life team will contact you um, and attempt to get to know you a little bit better, uh, let you know how you can connect to our community. Um, secondly, I'll say that uh, I want to just begin with a, a call to worship, and that call to worship is. Um, it's going to come from a book called Why We Can't Wait, which includes a letter that Dr. Martin Luther King wrote from a Birmingham jail uh, in honor of Black History Month. And also because um, I just think that the way he ends this letter is a great way for us to start. Um, it's, it's a bit cheeky. He writes this letter to uh, in response to white clergy who have made their comments and reflections known to him about this protest in Birmingham. And he says, he says this: Never before have I written so long a letter. I'm afraid it's much too long to take your precious time. I can assure you that it would have been much shorter if I had been writing from a comfortable desk. But what else can one do when he is alone in a narrow jail cell, other than write long letters? (laughs) I think think that's a little, um, a little dig. But uh, here's how he ends the letter, and this is how I'd like to begin our time. So, if you would, just take a moment, uh, maybe close your eyes and prepare your hearts for worship. And let this be uh, a prayer uh, of intention. May this be true uh, in our day, in our time, uh, in us. He writes this. Let us all hope that the dark clouds of racial prejudice will soon pass away and the deep fog of misunderstanding will be lifted from our fear-drenched communities and in some not-too-distant tomorrow, the radiant stars of love and brotherhood Will shine over our great nation with all their scintillating beauty. Let's sing together.
0: Let me so love where there is darkness, let me shine.
2: song those words are many of the words that I want to talk to you guys about today Hello kids my name is Mandy I'm the kids community director and it's Valentine's Day if you're watching on the day it's this podcast is released last week I showed you the heart garland from the box on the heart garland you could write different ways to pray, different acts of kindness, ways to show love. So I am so curious if any of you did that this week. I would love to hear about that. And did you get to send any Valentines or did you get any Valentines? It really feels good to give a love gift, right? A love gift, a gift that someone loves, whether it be a drawing or even just words in a little note. It's so fun to give and it's so fun to get a love gift. Now, if you haven't given one, or if you have someone else in your life that you still want to give one to, I have an idea. In your box were directions to make salt art. I don't know if any of you did it. I haven't seen any pictures yet. I got the idea today, before I came here, to make a valentine using salt art. In your box are templates that you can use, and glue, and all you do is add the salt, and then Even while the glue is still wet, you take watercolor paint and dab it on. And look at I just made a quick Valentine's. So maybe if you have time today, you can make one of these to bring to a neighbor or even make it for your mom and dad. While it's Valentine's today, I think it's a holiday worth celebrating. It's not in the Bible, right? But isn't it kind of the whole theme of what Jesus tells us to do, love others, a holiday all around loving. I think it's so important. And I wonder, do you think we should only love on Valentine's Day? Of course not. You guys know that. You guys definitely know that. Loving is for every day. It's loving our neighbors, loving our family members, loving those around us we may not even know loving our teachers and our friends at school. Our theme of our box this past month has been light. I would love to know what you have learned about salt and light. We are nearing the end of this box and we're almost ready for the next one. Parents sign up for those boxes, quick reminder. But I wanna know what you've learned this past month about salt and light. What does it look like for you to shine the love of Jesus through you, just like this song just talked about, bringing hope in the darkness by sharing the love of God, by sharing the light that Jesus wants us to share. I would just totally love it if you guys would take some time with your family and just talk about what are some ways that you have gotten to share God's light? Or what are some ways that you have seen God's light through someone else? Maybe someone else has cheered you up. Maybe someone else has made your day brighter. Or maybe you did something really cool and you want to talk about it. And after you share with your family, I know our staff, our whole Awakened community, we love to hear what you have to share. So if you want to make a video or send an email or a note, we would love it. And I would love to share that with our community. As we wrap up our series on spiritual practices, I want you to be reminded how much you're loved by God. And also, How important our time with God is, how very precious it is. Last week, we talked about how important it is to feel loved, and we talked about affirmations, to be coming up with affirmations for ourselves because we want—we know we're good. God made us good, and we want to remember how we're good, and it's so important to do that so that our goodness can flood out and be shared with others. I— want you to remember how good you are and how that goodness can be paired up with God's goodness and can bring change and make a difference and bring light to those around you. And thinking about that, I want to remind you to take out your book from your box, if many of you guys got the book, and I want you to kind of page through that. It actually has a few things that we've talked about these past weeks, even a whole page on be kind to yourself. And right now, it's just such an important time to be kind to ourselves because it's hard. It's hard going through what we're going through. And if we're kind to ourselves, I know that kindness will be spread to others around us. So I want you to think about all the things that you have learned the past couple of months, months, whether it be through spiritual practices or through the box and learning about light. And I want you to think about those affirmations that you wrote down last week. And then I want you to think about how your goodness and God's goodness are going to make a difference in the world around you. I have a special poem to read, and it is from a book called Woke, A Young Poet's Call to Justice. And I found this poem to be so beautiful in talking about community. And I think as we talk about the way God loves us and the way we want to love others, Community is so important. We have to have community to feel loved and to feel seen and also to give love and to help others feel seen. So I want you to listen to these words as I read this poem. It's called Instructions on Listening to the Trees by Mahogany L. Brown. When you are part of a community, you have to think about others. Think about the sun and how it smiles, sweet authority, Think about the ecosystem and how the leaves dress the tree trunks, surviving from the kindness of the sun. Yes, the sun and trees have a community all their own. And aren't we part of their community too? Benefiting from the oxygen and water, it creates new life. The water is alive in its gift giving. Think of how it feeds the roots. Like any true community, we must nourish and care for one another if we are to grow. So I listen to the trees when the wind dances near, and I listen to the neighbor's dog singing to the moon. The moon is high because of the water. How amazing. And this is when I remember home. The way my friends ring the doorbell to come outside and play. The way a car slows down when a ball rolls in its way the way we make jokes about the TV show and share our fears, the way we look up sadly when the streetlights come on. We all are part of someone else's journey. That's the way communities are built, each route sprawling toward the edge of an infinite smile. I want you to remember that you are part of someone else's journey. Keep shining the light of Jesus and remember that.
3: Thank you, Mandy. That was so lovely. Um, before we move on, let's sing the song of blessing over our kids. <laughs> to introduce who we're going to hear from next. Um, This is also kind of introducing a new rhythm that we're going to enter into with the artist community here at Awaken, which is so rich and lovely.
4: Um,
3: There are so many artists that attend this church that you all don't even know about. So, in an effort to uh, bring some awareness to the people that are doing really amazing creative work in our community, we're starting an artist in residence uh, series, which is beginning today by introducing my friend Chris Benton, who is a cinematographer. um, who's going to share a little bit about um, his work and what it means to him, and a piece that he's going to share with us? So this is our first artist in residence for 2021. Please welcome Chris Benton.
5: Hello, thank you very much. Um, as she said, I'm Chris. Uh, I am a cinematographer here in Minneapolis. Uh, do a lot of kind of variety of work in commercial, music video, uh, kind of whatever. Yeah. So, um, the question that she kind of asked me to kind of speak a little bit about is, um, how do you see God at work in the art you create? And, um, I've been thinking about that a lot the last week and, uh, it's honestly been hard to, to come up with an answer for that, I guess. Um, I think, yeah. I think this is a church where I feel safe to say I don't. I don't really know. Um, but I think that a couple things did come to my mind as I was thinking about that question. Um, one being, uh, as somebody who loves uh, film, who loves music, uh, and who experiences or tries to experience a lot of art, um, I find oftentimes my, uh, I guess, my most Many of my more like spiritual encounters often happen surrounding art, uh, whether that's a movie um, or, or a concert or a, or a piece of classical music. Um, a lot of those moments end up being kind of transcendent for me, I guess. Um, and so that has to do with like the art I take in. Um, and then in terms of the art I create, Um, I think, um, yeah, I guess I, I often find myself, uh, you know, on a production set and, uh, with a crew of people that I love working with and oftentimes work with often. And, uh, there's, uh, just something about those times actually on set working as a team and, um, that just feels, uh, so much like how I was designed or sort of created, I guess, to operate, and uh, those moments are always really uh, special for me, and I think it's it's uh, those moments, usually working on projects that are are more passion projects and stuff like that, where I really feel um, kind of a connection to the way that I was created and, and the way I was created to create, I guess. Um, so... Uh, they asked if they could share something of mine. And so uh, I picked a music video that I just recently finished up. Um, It's for an artist named Andrew Paul Davis. He is uh, a friend of mine I met out in Florida last year. Um, And he just uh, released an album this year. It's incredible. I would highly recommend looking him up. And I asked if I could do a music video for one of his songs. Um, and he gave me a list of them, and I picked this song, Together, uh, which is the second-to-last song off the album. Um, It was a song that uh, really definitely struck me, and I loved, especially the ending of the song. I just loved the way that it flowed and the visuals it kind of, like, brought up in me. Um, So, yeah, this uh, music video is called Together, and I made it with another Awaken uh, artist, uh, Krista Rose. She... uh, agreed to come on and direct this project, so there's two of us Awakeners at the helm here. Uh, Yeah, so I hope you like it.
4: Hi there, my name is Christine, and um, I've been coming to Awaken now for a few years. I am a professor at Bethel University. I teach in the fields of psychology and spiritual formation, and I am absolutely delighted to be able to be here today with you. Uh, For those of you who have been tuning in each week, you know that we are in a series called The Long Winter, and in fact, we are finishing that series today. Each week, we've been introduced to or maybe reminded of a spiritual practice that's foundational for the Christian life, for the Christian journey of spiritual formation. And today, we are going to end with the spiritual practice called missional engagement. Now, this is a necessary spiritual practice or spiritual discipline for those who are trying to walk with Jesus in this world. Spiritual practices like the examine, fasting, lectio, embodiment, these practices are foundational for the Christian life because they assist us in becoming more like Christ for the sake of the world as Micah would say, I would like to suggest to you that um, becoming more like Christ for the sake of the world is actually the end game of the Christian journey of spiritual formation. Now. If I said that statement in the Christian tradition that I grew up with, a lot of people would get upset with me. They would not think that that was the end game. Uh, They told me that the end game of the Christian journey of spiritual formation was actually to get my butt into heaven one day when I died. My life on earth was was to be spent making sure that nothing took away my one-way ticket to heaven. Additionally, I needed to tell as many other people about God so they could pray and then they could also get their ticket as well. Well, in my early adult years, I had the opportunity to be able to go to seminary a few times. Um, I pursued a master's in marriage and family therapy, master's of divinity, and a doctorate of ministry with an emphasis in spiritual formation. And it was in this last program that the rich world of Christian spiritual formation was opened to me, and my eyes began to see everything in a new light. I began to see the Christian life on earth not as a holding zone for souls that were waiting to die to be reunited with Christ one day in heaven. I began to see the Christian life here on earth as this profound experience of stepping into the stream of God's spirit and God's movement here, being ultimately formed and shaped by that spirit and um, becoming more and more like Christ. Now... What purpose for all of this? Um, Why should I be shaped into the likeness of Christ? Well, for me, this personally ties to the deep social ethics I see embedded in Christianity. Over time, I've come to see Christianity to be less about orthodoxy, right thinking, and more about orthopraxy, right practice, or right living. And living is what we're going to be talking about today. It's striking to me that the Bible is filled with stories—stories of how God's people lived, lived with one another, lived with God, lived in beautiful ways that ultimately reflected something profound. Also hidden in the Bible are stories of how Jesus and his disciples lived and moved and had their being here in this world. And so, I became enamored with the stories of how Jesus lived, how it is that he had um, this way of existence, um, both individually but also collectively with his disciples. And it's this Jesus way of living individually and community that ultimately shapes the spiritual practice we're going to talk about today, that of missional engagement. But before I go into what missional engagement actually is, how we can practice it, and why it's transformational for us, I'd like to open us up with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, I thank you that you are alive and you are moving in this place. I thank you that you help us live and move and have our being. I thank you that it is rooted and can be rooted in you. And as we move out into this world— and model who it is that you are, the world gets to glimpse and see pieces of you, the invisible one, in very tangible and real ways. Today, I pray that you would help us to be able to see the beauty of this spiritual practice called missional engagement. I pray that you would help me teach well and teach clearly. And I pray that you would help us to see how we could take what we're studying here today and live it out in our everyday lives from this day forward. So let it be. Amen. Well, first and foremost, what the heck is missional engagement? You know, it's not typically in the top 10 of, like, spiritual practices that people talk about. And so um, there are so many ways to actually nuance the definition of missional engagement. So for today, I'm actually going to be drawing from the research I did in my doctoral program, and so I'm going to use the definition of missional engagement that I used while I was studying this particular topic. Here's the definition. The spiritual practice of missional engagement is, first of all, living incarnationally as the sent ones of God into the everyday context of life. Living incarnationally as the sent ones of God into the everyday context of life. Now, Missional engagement is a spiritual practice that permeates how we live and how we relate with other people. Missional engagement elevates our daily interactions with others into sacred encounters where what happens between us and other people is actually this taste of the divine in everyday life. Missional engagement is a practice that changes who we are, how we see ourselves, and how it is that we move into the world around us. So let's go back and let's explore the three different parts to this definition and then see how this could actually be practiced today. So first, Living incarnationally. This is where the life of Jesus, how Jesus actually lived in this world, becomes vitally important for us to remember. I suggested that there are many beautiful reasons for why Jesus came and lived among us. Yes, there is the remarkable truth that through his death and resurrection, he actually closed that divide between humanity and God. But Jesus also dwelled among us, lived here among us, in order to provide a visual aid. His life actually made visible the invisible truths about God. Hebrews 1.3 states that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's being. Colossians 1.19 states that for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him in Jesus. When people looked at Jesus, when they experienced Jesus, when they lived with Jesus, they were able to see the exact representation of God. Jesus incarnated, made visible the character of God. But now, what does that actually mean for us as we're looking at missional engagement? There is this old phrase that says, we are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And in a very simple and rudimentary way, this phrase is actually describing a facet of incarnation. As humans choose to align with Jesus, with his life and with his teachings, we come to see that Jesus invites us into a way of living, into a way of existing here in this world. Our lives are actually to embody his teachings, to embody his ethics, to embody his way of seeing and elevating the marginalized. We are to embody his love for the Father with those that we are with. And we are to embody his alignment with the Missio Dei, the mission of God in this world. So incarnational living means that we embody the Christ so that when the world looks at our individual lives and our communal life together, what they're actually seeing, experiencing, tasting, encountering is actually the Christ in us, flowing from us into our interactions with other people. As this happens, the world sees and knows our God. When we live incarnationally, we help make the invisible God visible. So the first part of missional engagement, the spiritual practice, is that we are invited to make God visible by the way that we actually live in this world. Now, the second part of this definition focuses on the idea of being the sent ones. The people who are actually distributed into the world In order to display something to the world. Jesus very clearly states in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. Shortly after this, the Bible goes into so many different stories and books of how the first century church actually lived out their sentness. They lived as sent ones, moving into this world, incarnating Christ wherever they went. The focus again was on embodying or living out the way that Jesus lived as individuals, but also as a corporate group with one another. Living as sent ones radically changes the reason for our existence. Missional engagement as a spiritual practice, it literally helps us redefine our meaning for living in this world. We exist as sent ones, sent to display God, to make God visible in our interactions with other people. Finally, the last part of this definition is into the everyday context of life. For generations, many followers of Jesus perceived that in order to live incarnationally and as sent ones, that actually meant that they were literally supposed to go someplace else. They kind of idealized the call of Abraham and perceived that they were to pick up their households and actually move to a distant land um, to be about the work that God had for them. Thankfully, this idea has dissipated over time as followers of Jesus recognize and embrace their sentness to the widow across the street. To the neighbors next door, a family of seven non-English-speaking asylum seekers who are living off of minimum wage, today many followers of Christ now have the eyes to see that their sentness is actually into maybe the hundred yards right around them where they live or where they work. No longer do we need to travel to a distant land to the place that God calls us to, um, because the place that God calls us to often is in the exact contexts that we are already living and inhabiting. So to reiterate, definition of missional engagement, it's the spiritual practice of living incarnationally as the sent ones of God into the everyday context of our life. Now, here's the tricky part of this. To really practice missional engagement, some of us may actually need to view ourselves differently. Our lives individually and communally with one another is actually about displaying something or displaying someone to the world around us. And this might um, invite an identity change inside of us. One of my favorite passages actually comes from exodus 19 as god is articulating to moses the identity that the israelites are supposed to bring on themselves and to take on you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation god says to moses and this was to be the collective identity of the people of israel to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation Now, the role of a priest was actually to bring the people to God and then to bring God near to the people. And literally, priests functioned as a go-between or a mediator, helping people come near to God and facilitating the nearness of God via the sacrificial system of that time. As God spoke to Moses that day, he was giving the people an identity of being priests— Their communal life together was to help bring the nations towards God and to have God come near the nations. Now, secondly, the identity of the Israelites was to be a holy people. Now, holy doesn't mean perfect. We've talked about this before here. Holy means set apart. The people of God were to be a set-apart people. Why? Well, their communal life together was to become, literally, again, a visual aid of what life with God actually looks like. A set-apart people function as a contrast. They illuminate an alternative way of living. They tell an alternative story. And the world then has the opportunity to be able to see that it's possible to live differently in relationship with this God we called Yahweh. Now, the identity of the Israelites was deeply shaped by Moses' encounter with God. Their identity was to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now let's tie this back to missional engagement for today. To really practice missional engagement as a spiritual discipline, we might actually benefit from seeing ourselves, seeing our identity in a very similar fashion to the Israelites. We are to be a kingdom of priests. We are to be a holy nation, a set-apart people. We are to bring people near to God and bring God near to people. Our lives are to provide a contrast and are to tell an alternative story. When we choose to practice missional engagement and live incarnationally as the sent ones in this world, our identity changes. And we then can make visible the invisible God. Now, besides perhaps having our own identity be slightly modified a bit, a couple other things might need to change. Some people might actually need to view God differently some may need to realize that God is actually active and alive in this world. And I'll be honest with you, there have been many times in this past year that I have cried out going, are you alive? Are you active, God? But deep in every fiber of my being, when I can actually reflect on this, I know that God is alive. And I know that God is active even in this time. And so part of what me we need to perhaps see differently is that God is still moving here in this place. God is redeeming, restoring, renewing everything around us, and God is sending humans into the world to participate in this process. Now, finally, to practice missional engagement, some may also need to change how they view their context. Everyday experiences, Actually, they're no longer mundane situations that we just need to tolerate. If you actually practice the spiritual discipline of missional engagement, everyday contexts like home, work, school, standing in line at Target, they can now be seen as places that we are sent to live incarnationally and to make visible the invisible God. All right. So that's a little bit about what missional engagement could be, what it looks like. But how does somebody actually practice missional engagement? Well, when I was researching and writing about missional engagement back in 2009, 2010, I devised some very tangible ways to actually help to facilitate living incarnationally as the sent ones of God into the everyday context of life. And I had a lovely research group that was game to test out any of the practices that I put together that could fuel this practice of missional engagement. And I'd like to share with you two of the thought practices that actually became the two most foundational things we needed to do to begin to engage missional engagement on a regular basis. Now the first thought practice was to see your everyday context as a place you are sent to join in the Missio day, And the second practice was to see every person in your context as made in the Imago day. Now, what the heck does that mean? (laughs) Well, first, uh, the first thought practice was to see our everyday context as a place we were sent to join God in Missio Dei. Now, Missio Dei is a fancy Latin way of saying the mission of God. The research group that I was working with had a collective understanding that the mission of God was about the redemption, restoration, and renewal of the world, and that God had invited humans into participating in these things. Now, side note, when our family first started coming to Awaken back in about 2018, I nearly fell off the pew when we heard Micah teaching from this exact same paradigm. And even some of these words that I'm saying, they were painted on a picture that actually was just up in that transom for many years. We knew we could stick around at Awaken because these were some of the guiding principles and ideas that were deeply embedded into the fabric of this place. But now back to Missy O'Day. If the mission of God is about redemption, restoration, and renewal of this world, and Christ followers are to join in this work, well, I challenge the research participants to shift their perspective on their everyday contexts of home, work, school, sitting on the sidelines at Little League games, waiting in line at Target—these everyday contexts became sacred spaces to participate in the mission of God. These spaces became places to be about restoration, to be about renewal, to be about living incarnationally. I prompted people to ask themselves questions like, how would this experience in this context be different if I actually saw myself as sent to this line in Target to actually be about restoration and renewal? How might I actually try to incarnate Jesus as I am sitting here in the bleachers of my kids' little league game? How would I engage the people here? How would I show what I value? How would I embody the Christ in these everyday contexts of life? Now, this was not rocket science, it, it was a mindset shift. And the number one factor that ultimately caused my research participants to experience transformation in their life was adopting this mindset shift. The kind of transformation that started to come about in their lives was the kind of transformation that had them look and feel more like Jesus, literally in the everyday fabric of what they were doing. It was delightful to hear their stories. Our group would gather every single week, and we would literally tell each other the stories of what happened during the week when we viewed ourselves as sent ones into the everyday context and places um, and join God in mission there. Now, What happened was stunning. Over the course of the study, oh, I just loved it. We became kinder, more compassionate, self-controlled in our everyday context. Over the months of practicing this, we began to view our everyday lives as dripping with meaning and purpose. No longer were we just picking up coffee from our favorite barista, from our favorite coffee shop. Instead, what we were doing is we were daily establishing meaningful presence in that person's life where we could incarnate or embody Jesus day after day after day as we picked up our lattes the mindset shift of seeing our everyday contexts as places that were sent to join God in God's mission, it changed everything for us. Now, the second thought practice that became foundational for us to really uh, engage missional engagement was this intentionally seeing the people um, in the context as made, as, the image, as made in the image of God. Again, this was not rocket science, but it was startling at how this thought practice helped to change everything for us. I challenged the research participants to move about their, in their context as they normally would, but the moment they began interacting with another human, they were to internally tell themselves This person is made in the image of God. Try this with me right now. I want you to think about your neighborhood, your place of work, your home, maybe one of your classrooms at school. Now, in your mind's eye, I want you to imagine one or two people from these places, from these everyday contexts that you're part of, I want you to imagine that neighbor with that nasty, yappy little dog. Or your student that perhaps you are needing to engage in the classroom setting that's always sullen. Or maybe imagine that coworker who always tells the dumb jokes. Imagine in your mind eye that person. Now imagine them as being made in the image of God. Let that really sink in. They are made in the image of divine presence of God. When you imagine them this way, how does your mindset shift towards them? How does your posture towards them change? How are you more willing to listen to them, engage them, participate in what's going on in their life, to explore why, um, what is happening and why? When we move about our everyday context, envisioning each person that we encounter as made in the imago day, made in the image of God, often we are the ones that change. We soften. We become more open, more curious, more receptive. When we see people as made in the image of God, we see their immense worth. We see their belovedness hidden underneath their heart exterior. We see them as God might see them, and that changes us. So if you want to practice missional engagement, living incarnationally as the sent ones of God into the everyday context of life, I highly recommend that you begin first with these two thought practices to help you shift your mindset First, see your everyday life as a place that you are sent to join God in God's mission of restoration and renewal. And then second, view each person that you encounter as made in the image of God. When these two mindset set shifts occur, it becomes much easier to live incarnationally, to embody the life and the teachings of Jesus when we have positioned ourselves to see our everyday context differently. Okay, finally, why? Why in the world would this be recommended as a spiritual practice for Christian life today? Let's remember, the journey of Christian spiritual formation is all about being transformed into the likeness of Jesus for the sake of the world. All of the spiritual practices, excuse me, that we've been exploring over this uh, long winter series, they're all good and useful for us. They open us up, they gently turn us towards God. They help us to hear the Holy Spirit's guidance, prompting, counsel. They provide space for us to hear that still small voice of God. These practices habitually form in us a way of existence, a way of existing that mirrors Christ, a way of living that embodies his teaching and the fruit of the Spirit. Spiritual practices or disciplines transform the essence of who we are from being self-absorbed to spirit-absorbed. And these practices literally rewire our brains and our bodies to become focused on divine loving presence emerging from us. Spiritual practices help bring meaning and purpose to the long stretches of life where everything seems dormant. There is something new, though, growing deep beneath the surface of our lives when we habitually engage spiritual practices— But for me, the truly beautiful vision is that uh, we would engage these practices not only for our own personal transformation to take place, but also for the sake of the world. Now, every time that I try to imagine this, I get choked up. I'm gonna try and hold it together here. But what would the world be like if everybody who professed to be followers of God would see themselves as sent ones, that their identity was so wrapped up in partnering with God in the restoration of the, and renewal of this world that actually the world began to change. What if the world was filled with Christians who lived out the teachings of Jesus, embodied the fruit of the Spirit, and literally incarnated Christ every single place they went? Whew. Wow the world would be different. The world would be filled with love and joy and peace. It would be filled with kindness, gentleness, self-control. It would be filled with people who are pursuing justice for the marginalized and oppressed. The world would flourish because we would embed equitable, safe, sustainable systems that actually bring about thriving for all people on the earth, the world would be filled with shalom. So perhaps the spiritual practices are things for us to practice in the long winter. For today, I ask you to consider how the practice of missional engagement Living incarnationally as the sent ones of God into the everyday context of life could not only benefit your own soul, but could also benefit the world. Oftentimes here at Awaken, we end our time in a time of silence where we're able to reflect on what we've just heard and inquire of God. What is it that we should be paying attention to? What should we be holding on to, Father, as we move from this place? And so today I'd like to end in a way that is very familiar to us here at Awaken. We're going to end with a couple moments of silence where we can reflect on, do we want to live incarnationally as the sent ones of God into the everyday context of our life? If we want that, We can begin practicing that, even this week. Let's just settle into a few minutes of quiet, and then we will continue with our time together.
0: Of peace.
1: as we move to the table, um, seems fitting that this series ends with this moment. But the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. So whenever you eat of this, uh, do it in remembrance of me. Um, remember me, embody me, do what I've done. Um, love like I've loved. In the same way he took cup, and he blessed it, and he said, this is a new covenant written in my blood, which will be shed for you, and whenever you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. Remember me. So, remember that this table is not the church's, it is the Lord's, it's the Christ's made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more so come, you who have a little bit of faith a lot of faith uh, you who've been here often or not for a long time or ever before you who have tried to follow and you who have failed these are the gifts of God for the people of God so come and be fed be put back together not because I invite you but because the Christ invites you, the resurrected one to be known and be fed here So as you take the bread, I invite you to hear these words, the body of Christ broken for you, take and eat, friends. And as you take the cup, I invite you to hear these words, the blood of Christ shed for you, take and drink. I am a creature of habit. And when I get out of my habit of what I do, Uh, I don't always think straight so in not preaching today I was supposed to introduce Christine (laughs) and if you wondered when she got up here who's that lady it's because I was supposed to introduce her and I didn't I'm so caught up about my introduction so what I would have said had I done it at the proper moment was that Christine is a a dear dear friend of mine someone who I look up to and um, I love sharing with you all people that I love and that I trust, and I trust her, and I love her. And I'm so grateful that her and Chad and their family are part of um, our church. So that's a gift in a lot of ways. So my friend Christina is good. Um, Before we go, just a couple of announcements that you should know about, uh, things that are happening. So first and foremost, uh, Ash Wednesday is coming up. This Wednesday, February 17th, Lent begins. Um, I'm gonna be fasting from alcohol like I did last year. If anyone wants to join me, I'd invite you to do that. Uh, we are having an Ash Wednesday gathering, 6.30 p.m. It's going to be a walk-up. It's probably going to be cold, so. Um, but there will be ashes and self-serve communion, and the staff will be out front gathered around a bonfire waiting for your arrival. So come and join us. Uh, secondly, um, there is a survey out. Uh, just went out this last Sunday, uh, and we really, really, really would love your participation. So if you get the Awaken Weekly... Uh, If you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or any of those places, there will be links that you'll see. Uh, You should have gotten the Awaken Weekly today or uh, yesterday, and that link is in there. So it's essentially to help us figure out how and when uh, we can open this church safely for live worship gatherings. So please fill that out. Uh, Give us your feedback. Um, We would greatly appreciate it. February 21st is the last day you can do that. So it's open for two weeks. Uh, And then last but not least, uh, there is an Enneagram training uh, being offered by Jane and Karen Bergstrom, February 27th, 9 to 12 p.m. So all the links for things are in the Awaken Weekly on the website and the calendar. So please look at those and uh, join us for whatever you can. Grateful to be with you this morning and I will leave you with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and the church said together, Amen. Grace and peace, friends.
3: Facebook.com backslash awaken community. want to off the awaken community.
4: See you next time.